until I load up your clips, I can click on my blades. If I start grinding blades, I will never load up your clips. So it's like a stalemate kind of thing. Kind of, yeah, because I don't have the program 100% ready. Because of the demons. Yeah, demons. Fucking demons trying to crawl all over your face. Tell them what to do. Tell you what. I don't know why YouTube is killing fucking... It's still uploading, like, 78% on YouTube. I don't know what's taking so long. I'm about to shoot someone in the chest. <laughs> Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go ring-fuck somebody right now, I swear to God. It's hear me? It's happening. Yeah, I hear you. Mic test, Nick, let's hear it. Yeah, you heard me, so that's all I need to know. Like, all right, that's better. The jargon, okay? Jargon. Oh, wait, no, I don't think I'm on the device. Am I on the device? I have no idea. Not on mm. the device. Ah. Abstruse? Ah. Abstruse. It's very abstruse. Very abstruse. Nice we'll, just pre we'll pretend that um, Nick is our prostitute friend, and he can just come in with us. He'll be fine. Damn. Yeah, cool. Get, get me a hoop skirt. Dude, that would well, be no, like, awesome. Last year, I was asking, because Rob stayed at the hotel drinking, and I asked Matt, because he was setting everything up, he was like, the guy in charge, kind of, the front there for ticket pickup, and I was asking him, I was like, can Rob just, like, come in here? Like, is, is it cool? And he said, probably not. Like, they're going to get mad. No, they can't. They should make two prices. They should make, what, like, a price for, like, a spouse or something. So that yeah, way you don't like have to pay our no, no lottery booklet. You can't I think that's booklet. fine. But see, you have to you know, be a female. So This will be Bladeology episode four. And tonight we have the pleasure of interviewing our co-host and co-conspirator, Elijah Isham. Are you there, buddy? I think I'm here. I think I'm here. Now, who else we got over there? Uh, Nick Schuperin of NCC Knives, I guess. And and I'm Jeremiah Burbank of PBK Vegas, and uh, and we're gonna we're gonna jump into this tonight. Uh, Elijah, let's start at the beginning. Um, a right, lot of man. people think that you just popped up on the scene, but yeah, I so know start that from the very beginning. How was your birth? Very beginning. Okay, How much well, did you weigh out of the womb? So I weighed uh, just shy of ten pounds. Was that with or without the lock of hair? Wow. Uh, I, I think I'm not sure. I think I might have had some hair. With a full grown no, 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 wait, wait a second, wait a second. Yeah, I weighed nine pounds and, and uh, 15 ounces, I think. Wow. Yeah, so pretty hefty baby. Healthy little baby, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, fun fact, I was almost born in a teepee. Oh, okay, that's different. It, it explains yep. the hipsterness. That's, that's different. Yeah, I didn't tell you guys about this. No. That? Was this in Ohio? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my uh, mother was going to have me inside a teepee that my dad had uh, got from someplace up in, like, Maine or something. I don't know. Canada, maybe. And they're all ready to go. And the midwife, it was uh, on July 24th, 1994. And uh, the midwife got scared. Couldn't do it. So... I wound up being born in a hospital like everybody else. So, oh, dang, she's checking out at the last minute, huh? Yeah, on the twenty fifth. So, almost born in a TP. Okay, we're a couple minutes, and I think we should start talking about knives. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, uh, I guess okay, my so first 
first memory of having knives was, uh, of course, probably a Swiss Army knife. He gave me one when I was like five, six years old. Uh, it was green, actually. It wasn't blue or wasn't red. It was green. Hmm. I remember uh, cutting up my fries, my French fries, with that uh, at the mall, at the local mall. So that's probably my first, some of my earliest memories of having a knife. Was that yeah. the like the traditional scout for a while. one with like a single blade, or was it with the one with like the scissors and stuff? It was the classic. So it had a blade, a uh, a screwdriver. I still have it. A screwdriver with a file, yeah, finger file, and the scissors, and the toothpick, and the tweezers. That's legit. All right. Mm-hmm. So you were introduced to cutlery at a very early age. Yes, because my dad, mainly because he's always been a knife enthusiast, so he introduced me very quick. Hmm. Yep. Been uh, carrying a knife pretty much all my life. Yeah. So where did um where did your infatuation with were you were a collector before anything else? Uh, I suppose you could say that, like, kind of off, on and off. During childhood, I would kind of get into it for a minute, and then I would start getting stuff. I had a a CRKT at Halligan Kiss Knife for a long time that I called my cricket knife because that's what I thought that name stood for. I didn't know it was CRKT at the time, but uh, get a couple of those, uh, some early Spydercos. Oh man, I can't remember which one it was. Probably an Endura. Endura's a classic. I had like a bunch of those. Yeah. And uh maybe one of the stainless steel models, but yeah. Kind of got out of it for a little while and uh focused on other things and then got back into it with uh the benchmade um onslaught. The Bob oh, yeah. Lazar. And that was kind of around the same time that I liked folders and stuff, but I also liked bushcraft stuff. I started getting really deep, really heavy into bushcraft. And for a while there, like the whole focus was to stay in that lane, kind of stay in the bushcraft market and just design bushcraft knives when I started actually thinking about starting to design knives. And like I remember I got real excited when Spider Code came out with a bench with a uh, bushcraft model and then Benchmade came out with one. Uh, not too long after, I think. And um, I think it was designed by Shane Seibert, if I'm not mistaken. I remember that. Yeah, there there was like a bushcraft resurgence there for a little bit, like heavy. Yeah, and that's when I got into it. That's when I really got into it. Like, I'd be out in the woods like pretty much every every afternoon after school, just checking stuff out and trying to uh, uh, hone my bushcraft skills of shelter building and all that wilderness self-reliance jargon. So just to give <laughs> us give, give us perspective, what like what roughly how old were you or what what year do you think that was like in uh, in the timeline? Uh, me and one of my best friends from high school, we started doing it. We kind of got into <laughs> it at the same time, so that was probably I was probably like fourteen, fifteen. Okay. So yeah. Um, yeah, we started, we would do it after school every day. We would go out into the woods and just try to like make shelters or whatever. And that's when I really got into knives like hardcore. And I remember watching, uh, the original dual survival with, um, Cody Lundin and Dave Canterbury. And at the time it seemed like the most somewhat realistic, uh, depiction of what would actually, you know, happen in a wilderness self-reliance situation. 
and I would watch those religiously. And through that, I was introduced to um, Blind Horse Knives, which is now kind of defunct, and they've kind of split up. It's uh, Battle Horse Knives, and I forget the other guy's name, that he, he went his own way. But I got one of those, one of the uh, Kephart designs. Um, you know, like real simple, drop point, uh, broomstick handle. But I used that a lot. And then I got an SE, um, SE5. Oh, yeah. I got one of those. Yeah, yeah, the SE period was that was oh, like yeah. that was intense. I remember I totally that had was, an Azula. That was that like, was my grill. Yeah. The SE five finally got it. I think it was like one hundred and fifty bucks, mm -hmm. one hundred sixty bucks. But it was thick. It was like a quarter inch thick, and I wanted something that was uh, not as beefy, like more more of an all around knife. So I got the uh, the blind horse, and used that for a while. Got a uh, an SE Hunglas. Uh, used that a lot with bushcraft. But I was completely, totally focused on bushcraft. And when I started designing mm -hmm. knives uh, in 2012, like the first knife I designed was a, um, a belt knife. Looks a lot different from the, uh, the craziness I'm uh, doing right now. But uh, yeah, that's basically where I started. It's completely bushcraft oriented. I stuck with that for maybe like a year. And then in 2013, I was like, ah, whatever. I'll just start doing folders because my interest had kind of changed and i wanted to see what i could do and what i could contribute to like a folder market and i just stuck with it and continually would design and evolve through a catalog of designs and just kind of develop my style and and that's pretty much what you see today so when you when you got into um like you said you're just like let me see what i can contribute was there was there something that, like, there was, like, a catalyst for getting into it? Did you see something or realize one time you were like, oh, my God, this is the knife um, that got you into it? Or you were just sort of like, well, I'm doing fixed blades and it's logical to sort of get into folders? Yeah, well, the Benchmade Onslaught, having that and knowing who Bob Lum was and then looking up his custom work, like the Forester, which the Onslaught was uh, modeled after, um, and then getting through... Going through, um, what is it? Crap. I'm blanking. Mm. Um, it, it may have something to do with this Russian stout. Uh, <laughs> God, what's his name? What? He's on Instagram. Maker? No, a YouTuber. Oh, YouTuber? Oh, yeah. I'm terrible with YouTubers. Nothing fancy. Nothing fancy. Oh, yeah. Shoot. Yeah. So I started watching a lot of his videos. Oh, boy. And then I got into folders pretty heavy. And then... I got kind of into customs, sort of through Jim Skelton, but I would I'd already been into like I'd already known a few custom makers by then, but I kind of really got into it right at the time that Jim Skelton was coming around on YouTube, and I would watch his videos, and then Instagram happened. I got on there, and then I discovered more and more custom makers, and then I just was like, hmm, well, this is pretty cool. I wonder if I could maybe do this someday. And then the entire interest shifted to oh I want to make I want to be a custom knife right, maker, so like and I want to make uh, custom folders. Hmm. Okay. Nick, what is that? <laughs> uh, someone sent me, me someone sent me a clip from our last episode. I was just oh okay, gotcha. I thought I thought it was far away though. But yeah, I um. My interest from there on, from there on, was I want to make custom folders. So I had to figure out. Well, I need to 
know how to design these first before I can start making them. Because if I can't design a knife, I'm sure as hell not going to be able to make it. Right. So I started designing knife after knife. Every night I would do maybe one or two drawings of fixed blades. And I probably did maybe 70 of those before I started on folders. But uh, so it's, just, cr- just to, cranking away at it, just nonstop. Yeah, like designed over and over again. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people ask me, how do you get into knife design? Like, how do you get into this without having any prior history of um, architectural, industrial design um, know-how or anything like that? Like, just straight into it with no prior uh, knowledge of it. Well, you just have to do it. Learn by doing. You know, you just have to go at it. And what what appeals to you, what you would want in a certain design, and just continually do it and develop a style. That's basically just what I did. Is I would just continually do it. Like, all right, I got this design done. Now on to the next one. See what I can do with this. And just a, a constant evolution. And then you start to kind of create your own rule book. And you can just follow your own rules and occasionally break those rules to go get outside your wheelhouse. But you just have to, you got to do it. You got to get in there and do it. Just like playing guitar. You have to, uh, you know, just start grabbing the guitar and just start strumming away, and in a few hours, you, you'll discover things, and you'll, oh, this goes here, and that goes there, and then you just incrementally develop your own style, and you can go off of it, and then, yeah, you basically have your own design language. It just kind of appears. Yeah, and I remember back in the day when you first started, I was following you for a long time. You, you started just in white backgrounds. Yeah. And uh, you were just drawing stuff. But yeah, uh, and eventually earliest... you got to 2D. I remember you were talking about you found that white crap in some shed or something like that. And that's what you used. Yeah, so I guess I'll tell that story. Uh, so I think this was in like 2012, late 2012 or early 2013. Uh, a neighbor of ours wanted me and my dad to uh, help him out moving a shed. He, he had just uh, got a shed from this guy. He's like, if you can haul it away, you can have it. And he needed it for storage. So we uh, go over there and help him. Uh, it's just down the road. And it was just an awful day. It was hell getting, trying to get this thing onto the uh, the flatbed. But we had to empty it out first because it had a bunch of crap in there. And I think the guy had worked for uh, Wright Pat Air Force Base or something because there was some weird shit in there, like like 1,000-watt light bulbs and just weird stuff. Huh. Really strong, like Lexan parts. That they work on over there, like just weird shit. But anyways, uh, we got it mostly unpacked, and I found this stack of white. It almost reminds me of Kydex, but it's white and it's a lot more pliable, and it's a lot thinner. It's like probably a sixteenth thin. And so what what is it? It's a, it's a synthetic or something? Yeah, it's like a synthetic composite plastic something. It's similar oh. to Kydex, but it's a lot more flimsy. And I found this stack of it, maybe like 100 or 150 sheets of it. They're probably, I don't know, like four foot by five foot. Oh, wow, it's big. And so Yeah, and so we brought these home. I was like, maybe I could use this for something. I was like, oh, I know what I can use it for. I can use it for templates, for knife templates. Because oh. at the time, I was doing all my fixed blade designs. I was drawing them out on the kitchen table. I would draw them and then cut it out of paper and then trace the, the paper template over an existing drawing and continually do that maybe three or four times until I had a finalized design 
and it was just paper. So I was like, how am I going to retain this? It's just paper. I can't just put it in a folder or something. So I, I would use the, uh, that plastic composite material because you could just cut it with scissors. Oh, okay. And, uh, so I would lay it down on that, tape it down, trace it, peel off the paper and then use that as a template. And I got a few of those still laying around, but, uh, that's how I did probably 50 or 60 of my first designs was on that template material. And that was kind of like the catalyst that got me going because I just got the process of doing it down my own like way of my methodology. So I would do that like every night and then I would have a, a pretty much a, a usable pattern that I could then lay down on steel, which has still not, not happened because I've just gotten into the design game. So, so stringently you, that you, yeah. att- you attempted a knife in my shop. Yeah, that was like the very first time I'd ever touched a piece of metal to a 2x72 grinder. Hey, it, kind of, it kind of looked like an abortion. He tried to poop out and squeeze too many times. Yep. It had potential. That's an apt analysis, I'd suppose. <laughs> so you were cutting you were cutting this synthetic, and you were making essentially um, like silhouettes of your design? I mean, did these yeah, have... Yeah, it's, a, it's these were pattern. Mm-hmm. Basically a pattern that a maker would make out of like plexiglass or Lexan or steel. Or yeah, like I've, a see, I've seen them made out of paper all the time. Mm-hmm. But this was this is uh, I still have a few, uh, just a plastic. Uh... In fact, my earliest drawing, like some of these are on Instagram. If you go back, if I, was you just, see, I was just going to say, yeah, those are actually photocopied pictures of the three D template or the uh, plastic templates that I made. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that, that's definitely stuff. before. That's before I was aware of you. To, to look, but I, I want to look back now. Yeah, for and listeners, che- check if, you that go out. Back, if you go back way back to the beginning on my uh, Instagram page, anything with like a black a black background is those um, those plastic templates. And I basically, mm. I think I put them in a printer and just photocopied them over to to show on Instagram. But because yeah, a lot of the times, yeah, pre- they're just they're just paper. So I mean, it's it's actually it's pretty smart to do it out of plastic. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I could cut it with scissors, so it it made sense to just use that. But so where back, where are they now? What what's whatever happened to them? I still have them. Huh. yeah. Uh, any of those? What those are all fixed blades? Yeah, almost all of them are. And then yeah, I'm looking at it right now. All the uh, ones with black backgrounds. It was white, and I would I would sharpie in like detail, so you could. Oh, I see what you're saying here. Okay. Understand that it was a knife or whatever. But yeah, it was just basically experimentation of what kind of profiles and handle shapes. Because the cool thing about it is, after I cut it out of the plastic, I could then hold it and check the ergos. That makes sense. Because I try and focus on ergos a lot. So Yeah, look at that. These are definitely, a, a lot of these very early ones are obviously like Skinner's, Bushcraft, Chopper's, stuff like that. Oh yeah. But So this was like during the, the um, transitory phase where I started getting into more tactical stuff. So I wanted to like make recurve Bowie kind of like Tonto. Just I was just experimenting like, oh, I haven't done this blade shape, so I'll try this out. So I see on your Instagram because I'm looking now, and if you're listening, you should you should do that so you can follow along here. But so right after you do these cutouts with the black background, it moves into sort of this rudimentary 2D wireframe. Um, tell mm-hmm. tell us yep. about that. What was that done on? So if you follow my Instagram, you can actually kind of see the progression in the timeline. I got to the model uh, model 70, and that was the first 
uh, fixed blade that I had done, I was like, hmm, I wonder if this could work in a folder. And so I, I, I resketched it by hand into a folder and it, it seemed to work. So I then moved it over to DraftSite. And that's why I first downloaded DraftSite, which if anybody trying to get into this, you should definitely check it out because it's free. And it's what I use to this day because hmm. it's just, it's very rapid. You can, if you, if you wanted to design after you've gotten good at it for a little while, if you want to design a knife completely, a rudimentary design, you can get it done in 30 minutes, like no problem. Even less, I mean, sometimes, but that's when I downloaded draft site and I started um, experimenting with it and figuring out the process there. And I, I got into folders and I've never gone back. Um, yeah, it was just folders from there on out and see what I could do. So I definitely, I see some, um, I see some designs on here, these wireframes that allude to your future, more radical, uh, sort of, uh, neo-futuristic designs. I definitely, mm-hmm. I see, I see the, um, for instance, it looks like I see you tagged, uh, Matt Christensen and, uh, like a February 14th one. Did he end up making that custom or you were just tagging him to say like, Hey, what's up? Like, check this out. Yeah. So he was supposed to make that one cause he DM me about it. Um, this was like way back. This is like in 2013 or 2014. And he was supposed to make that, but it never happened. But he did finally make, we did a collaboration on the Theta, actually. And there's only oh, one okay. of those that exists. He, oh, made wow. the, he made the prototype. Hmm. And I'm not sure exactly who owns that, but there's only one of those out there. And I see, okay, I can, I'm scrolling up and I see, uh, obviously I see the Megatherium. Mm-hmm. Or, well, Model yep. 96 Santoku. But it obviously turned into... Later yeah, on so the Megatherium. Um, yeah, I messaged him about was, that back in the day. Just and before. He, and I guess I wasn't cool enough. He didn't reply. And then Alex oh, Dietz. Oh, is that uh, right? I don't believe yeah. I don't believe that. <laughs> I'm sure I would have replied. Back then DMs I tried to reply. Forever. To every... Oh, it was a DM? Hmm. Well, well, shit, it was a DM. Well, so, so how, how did that happen? The Megatherium was what? Was that your first real breakthrough piece? I would say so, yeah. It came off, um, there was a model I did before that, the Model 92, that was kind of like the prototype um, version of what I thought was going to be the Megatherium, and I was really happy with the design. I, I, I distinctly remember that day when I got it done, the Model 92, and I was thinking, wow, this this could be something. And then I kind of evolved that. I, it was one of the only designs I actually went back and tried to mess with and to this day, the Megatherium was one of the hardest designs to do because it was the first design I ever did with a hidden flipper tab. Okay, and wow. That was wow. the Model 96. So that was an evolution from the Model 92. Hmm. You can wow. go back in my Instagram. And, and oh, yeah, okay. Model 92. Yeah, I can see that. I can draw lines from It that. was the same kind of situation with like a, a fatter, heavier blade and a slightly thinner handle. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's, so, I mean, when, it, that's when huh. I really got got into my groove and started to uh to see things that i wanted not not necessarily just aesthetically but also ergonomically so and i think to this day it's one of my most ergonomic designs because it's so big and it fits a lot of hand sizes so now uh, you're saying okay i see now what nick's talking about so it looks like alex deets did the prototype for that yeah i guess we'll uh, get into the alex deets situation so he DM'd me or messaged me on here shortly after I'd put that that uh, that sketch up 
the rendering of that, the 2D rendering. And he's like, dude, I want to make that. I'm like, all right, cool. And he was just coming up at the time, and I liked his work. I never handled any of it in person, but I really liked his work. I think he might have um, learned a little bit from uh, Jeff, Tough Thumbs. But okay. Yeah, he. I think, and I can't remember the model name, but I was really liking his stuff, so I agreed to do a collab with him. I was like, sure, you can make it. And we decided on um, how many to do and when to do them. And he made a couple prototypes. I think he made three or four prototypes. And unfortunately, he kind of dropped off the face of the earth. And I never heard from him again. And a lot of people didn't hear from him. But um, I guess that's just the way it is. But it's kind of unfortunate because I was really liking what he was doing with the design. It wasn't exactly what I had in mind. But uh, he was doing a pretty good rendition of it for sure. And uh, he named it the Acacia because, well, actually I named it. Because he said, all my designs are named after trees, so I'd like to stick to that uh, scheme. And I was like, sure. Well, the only thing I could think of at the time was the Acacia Strain, uh, mm. famous metal band. So, And that's like a tree, bush, whatever. So I was like, let's just name it the Acacia. So, yeah. That's legit. Okay. Yeah. I'd say that's so, probably my first collaboration. One of the first. That's what really, that's what really kicked it off, was the, was the theorem. The, yeah, the Megatherium, yeah. Hmm. And then the uh, Ben Chacon, actually, Toxic Blades, he made my uh, Model 89, the Sentient. He made that, like, just right around the same time that uh, Alex Dietz was making the Megatherium. And uh, I think he may have beat him to it. So, uh, technically, Ben Chacon is the first person that's ever made one of my designs. So, a little fun fact there for you. So, just before... Deliver what? Delivered just before... I think he'd got it, gotten it finished just before Alex finished the Megatherium. Okay. If my we'll, uh, memory serves we'll me correct. We'll just go by Instagram record and uh, and say that the Megatherium was first and it looks like uh, the Sentient was second, but that's only due by posts. Uh, yeah. And just for the record, it looks like the Sentient has a top flipper? It does. It was actually a front flipper. Is that a front flipper? I mean, it's like mid-engine yep. car. I don't know. It's... All right. If you want to say yeah, it's front, it's the mid-engine I'll... car of knives for sure. You like, it's a that's... front flipper. It's all right. Yeah. All right. Technically, um, how I consider a front flipper, if the tab is in front of the pivot, the pivot when it's sitting laterally on a table, then it's a front flipper. If it's in front or below, like a lot of people consider the Black Star a front flipper, I really don't. I think it's just a normal flipper. It's just that the tab happens to be a little higher. I did not consider that a front flipper. Yeah, it's not a front flipper because you got to pull down that not a lot people, side. A lot of people consider yeah. it a front flipper. I'm like, mm, no. You can front flip it, but the primary de- <laughs> deployment action is the is the you can lighter, regular. You can flipper. lighter flip it for sure, but it's not really designed for that. Yeah. Yeah. So we started with the Mega Ethereum, and years later, that would actually go into production. But to to creep up to that, uh-huh. let's um let's continue with. Um, your evolution as a, as a designer from there. So Dietz did one. Um, Toxic Blades did one. Um, who was your next collaboration with? Um, after that, I would say, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was um, BBK, uh, BB Knifeworks, Blackstone Valley Knifeworks, uh, John and Pat over there in um, Rhode Island. Okay. So they did the Model 85 Caldera. Which Cold. I, uh, 
Yeah, I named. I think I named that after a song or something, but I think the name means um, volcano or something like that. But yeah, they did the next one, and they only made one prototype. Oh wow! So, and I have that still. I have that. Pro- they sent me one prototype, but I don't know. I guess things didn't get schedules kind of got misaligned or something, and they just kind of had to drop the project a little bit. But yeah, they only made one, and I have it. So. I was pursuing them for a bit about, uh, I had a good customer of ours, uh, Endless Possibles, Brett on IG, had a mm-hmm. Blackstone Valley, and he brought it in probably a couple of years ago, and I really liked it. I think it was like Raven or something, and I, I hit them up for some knives, and it was, yeah, it was very weird. They were just, all of a sudden, they were like, yeah, absolutely, and then a month later, like, no, we're not making knives anymore or something, and I was like, what? I was yeah, like, okay. they, started, they started making furniture, and then they started making knives again, and I don't know what happened. Yeah, they're kind of all over the place. They're good guys. So I met them at Blade Show 2016. They're a, a good, they're good people. They're out of Rhode yeah. Island. I think they're some of the only makers in Rhode Island. So that's pretty cool. There's not yeah, a, whole a lot of New times in New York. Okay, so they're they're mm-hmm. just in and out, but they're definitely they're doing something. They're yeah designing right. and making something. And they just recently did a uh, the Evolve collaboration, if I'm not mistaken, with uh, BRS. Blade Runner Systems? Yes, I think that's yes. that's right. Yep. So congrats to John and Pat. Shout out to them. I think they um yeah, I did see that. That's part of their um the, yeah, the import line on BRS. That's that's very cool. It is kind of a neat uh knife they did too. Anyway, um yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. So let's get into how you got into the whole production line of stuff with um the Chinese manufacturers. So one day I'd have to uh look back in my email history to find the date, but I emailed Kaiser out of the blue, and I was like, hey, do you want to do a collaboration? And they had shown interest, and I didn't see, and I hadn't touched any of their work prior to me actually sending that email, but what really sold me on it was I'd seen John Gray do a collaboration with them, and Matt Diskin was going to do a collaboration with them. So I was like, hmm, well, if these two guys think it's good enough, for them to do a collab with, and it, it must be good enough for me. So I sent them an email and said, hey, do you want to do a collaboration? And they showed interest, and we exchanged a couple designs and finally settled on the Megatherium because I figured, why not? That was, this was kind of a a popular model when it was going to be made by Alex Dietz, but that didn't really pan out too great. But uh, I figured, why not? We, we should do this one. And they really liked the design, so we uh, went forward with that one. And that was the first one. Mm. Yeah, Keyser yep. never really said well with me back then, because when they were making clones, all sorts of things, they had a bunch of drama with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Riate, we, and all the ones probably made clones back in the day, too. But when they started manufacturing, they at least changed their name. Yeah, I think they were possibly. I'm not going to say anything for certain, uh, but that, it could have were, been, yeah. There were products with their name on it that were clones, and then it got into a whole idea yeah, with our maker. And, get to that. Mm-hmm, yeah. But yeah. And then, uh, yeah, they started manufacturing under the same name, which was always a little weird to me. It is definitely strange. I, I think pretty much, I don't know, maybe all of the Chinese manufacturers have done that at one point or another. I'm not sure. But thankfully, like when the, I remember when the uh, Riot um, District 9 came out, that was like the very first. Chinese made quality knife that everybody was like, oh, this is just bullshit. It's made in China, whatever. Yeah, and I was bucks. skeptical. Yeah, I was completely skeptical at, at first. I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, you can keep it. But then 
they started releasing more models and we started seeing more Chinese companies come onto the scene. And I was like, huh, well, there might be something to this. And then Kaiser shows up and I start seeing a lot of very great makers like John and Matt doing collaborations with them. I, I remember huh, I did well, see that. Might, he did his stuck. Yeah, he right? did. Right? With Kaiser? Yeah. So I was, I was definitely intrigued once I started seeing that and I was like, huh, well, I might. Might as well give these guys a uh, a ring and see what's up. So, just for the record, at that point though, you had not when you when you started to see those come out through John and Matt. Had you met them at a show yet? Like, what was you hadn't no, met at a show yet? I'd never I'd never met um, David's son. He's kind of like the main guy over at Kaiser. Okay, I'd never met him at a show prior to that, but. Uh, I definitely watched every video I could on a Kaiser knife to see what their quality was like, mm. their execution, and I was like, well, I'm going to Blade Show here in a couple months. I might as well email them and get in touch so I can go to Blade Show in 2016. That was uh, the first time I'd actually been to Blade Show and have a meeting with them and talk about stuff. Get the ball rolling. And the first knife you were pursuing after seeing sort of John and Matt do it was the Megatherium. Yeah, we'd settled on that one after I think I sent him a couple designs. And at the time, I never really, I hadn't designed anything yet that I was comfortable with making a full production model of, except for the Megatherium. So it was as good as model as any to uh, have a full on production model, like an ongoing. Hmm. Yeah. And they're still making it, so. Yeah, that's that's a still current production knife. <laughs> yep, there's still runs of that going. I mean, you can buy one right now. And uh, like four different SKUs, frame lock or sub-frame lock or uh, lefty even. So Well, it's probably a – it's it's probably got to be like um, a liner bolster lock. lock. It's probably not a sub-frame yeah. lock. Yeah. No, bolster lock. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that would be the angry Kershaw men would come yeah, after the us. Kershaws, the Kershaw people are going to get on me about that. Kershaw! They would, sure. they would they would come after us very quickly. Well, not us yeah. per se, but the but hashtag other not people. a subframe lock. Yeah. yeah, hashtag definitely not uh, breaking any lawsuits. Yeah. Bolster lock, bolster right. Lock. So Megatherium, and uh, and then that that was in there, and uh, I so I mean that's that's pretty uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I was happy with that. Um, they've done a good job at it. I will be completely honest. When I first got the prototypes in for the Megatherium from Kaiser, that was actually the very first time I'd held the knife. I never even received one from Alex Dietz. Never even got one. But the very first time I'd opened the package and held it, I was thinking to myself, wow, this is kind of small. <laughs> Wait, the the Megatherium? Yeah, yeah. I I'd, I'd honestly thought that it was a little bit on the smaller side because... I had printed off templates of it and checked the ergos, which were the same size, but for some reason I thought it was going to be slightly bigger in, once it was in steel. But, yeah, it was my first reaction to it was, wow, this is kind of a little small. But it's actually the biggest knife that I've made to date uh, production-wise. So, hmm. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty far out, I would have to say. Yeah, it... it it's uh, it seems to be a good seller for sure. Uh, a lot of people like it. 
I mean, it's it's one of the original uh, it's one of the original models that's still going today. So I have to say that's that's pretty strong, um, you know, for for sure. So the Megatherium was clearly a runaway success. That was definitely your first uh, production collaboration. I suppose it was, um, technically. I didn't really expect it to be as popular as it was. I just wanted to get a production model out there. But that was your first, that was your real first, like, taste, one could say, of a successful uh, production collaboration. Oh, for sure, definitely, yeah. Um, after that came out, or during the production, did that open up, um, like, new doors for you? Did that put you on more people's radar? What was the next step for you um, after the Megatherium was sort of in and ready to launch? It definitely probably opened opened doors for me, for sure, because I started getting a lot more um, subscribers, for sure, followers on Instagram. And a lot more uh, interest in my stuff, for sure. So I would have to say, like, right after that, Obviously, I started doing more stuff with Kaiser, but that's when um, We Knives eventually approached me. Uh, I got an email from Joe, or DM maybe, and uh, he wanted to do a project, so we um, we started discussing what we could do. And just as uh, we started doing that, I, I was working on my Simple Series. So I kind of split my designs into two categories, complexities which is mainly the Odyssey series, which is like stuff like the Eschaton, and Simplexities, so that's like the Simple series. And those are comprised usually of five designs, a set of five designs, and I was just starting that when uh, Joe contacted me and wanted to do a project, and that eventually became the Zeta, which is part of the, the Simple series, and the Eschaton, which is part of the Odyssey, Odyssey line. So complexity and simplicity kind of at the same time putting it out there through We Knives. Okay, so for the Simple Series, um, what are we looking at? How many knives were in the Simple Series? So it's kind of ongoing still. Oh, okay. Um, somewhat. Uh, Hello? There's a set of five per category, so... Basically, I think I'm up to like maybe four or five now. So there's a set of five per um, iteration. Okay. So there's are, five, are basically we, five sets of five knives. Are we recording or did you guys start without me? Yeah, we started without you, bro. <laughs> oh, well, then I'm, I'm, dude, I'm sorry. I'm fucking dying here. Man. I haven't slept in a fucking week. We're, uh, we're talking about forgiven. the Simple Series. As for- I was pissing, I decided that I was like, I should throw some steak on, some steak on the grill or something. I think I need food. I'm fucking falling asleep here. You gotta get you some carbs for- in there. So, to, to preface this, the reason why why we're, we're, we're struggling through this episode is actually this is the Friday before the Las Vegas Knife Show in TKI. So, we're, we're kind of in and out here. But we're 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 powering through this, and uh, it's doing well. So we are Nick, powering through. We're we're talking about the simple series right now, building up to the Wii collaboration. Oh, I got you. Okay. So I'll I probably guess... have to leave for a second too once I gotta flip that steak. But yeah, so let's get back to this. Technically, technically, the first one in the simple series was my um, Plethoros number one thirty four design, and it was the least simple of the entire series. So I was thinking, hmm. 
Well, I'm not doing some crazy cutout bullshit on this one. I'm just doing a simple, small blade cutout for uh, thumb flicking or just a thumb and open. And that's when I, I started doing the simple series. I was like, huh, well, this could be like a separate entity unto itself. What the and I started with the, that's the uh that's a word I made up. It basically means uh plethora, but I made it plural. Like you, uh, you just wanted it to sound cool. Yeah, basically a plural form of a plethora. I don't know. But yeah, I made that word up. Anyways. Um the second one was the simplex, the third one was the monolith, and the fourth one was the theta. So that uh eventually became a Kaiser design and it took that long to make it to production. Hmm. Because I designed that in like, I think it was like 2015, 2016. And that just came out last year. So it took oh, that wow. long. So that was a, that was a bit. Yeah. Um, most of my designs generally from finished CAD work to production usually take about a year. So a year or two. Hmm. But with the simple series, I wanted to focus on a lot simpler lines, a lot cleaner geometry to get away from the craziness of like the Eschaton, the Merkaba, and the Arrakis, and the Schism. So the all, Zeta. All designs I'll go into later, but yeah, I wanted to make some simpler stuff for a change. The Zeta mm-hmm. and the Theta are part of the simple series. And then mm-hmm. what was the name of the series that the Eschaton's part of? So I call that the Odyssey line. The Odyssey. And there are 13 designs in that series. And the Eschaton's actually the last one in the series. It's the 13th the design. So most of the designs in that, most people have never seen. And I would like to keep it that way until they are released. Because hmm. there's some pretty cool stuff there. So if you'd like to see those designs, you can email me at any time and I have a whole file full. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. Nick has Nick knows nothing. <laughs> so you've I know, got I know nothing and everything at the same time. So you've got the the Megatherium rocking, and then you've got we knocking at your door for um, more of the simple series, and then so what was next after what what was the next step after that? So you got the Megatherium launch, and then you've got we, and then where do we go from there? So basically, I mean, if you want to go company wise after we and and uh, Kaiser, it's Best Tech. Okay, but there was a lot, a lot of goings on with Kaiser and we prior to Best Tech. Let's let's do this. Let's let's get into let's get into the Eschaton. Which okay, all right. Unless unless there's somewhere you want to go before there, but I feel like that's yeah, we like can do you, that. Cool. Like you said, I think a lot of people when a lot of people see that as you're bursting onto the scene, um, or, or I think that's. For a lot of people, the first time onto their radar. So let, let's do that. Tell tell For us sure, about the yeah. So when Joe contacted me about doing a collaboration with We Knives, um, I was thinking in my head, okay, what can they make? Because I've seen what they've done so far, and it wasn't a whole lot. This was kind of in the infancy of We Knives. They had just done their first couple, maybe three models or whatever. Now they've got a ton, of course. But and I was thinking, what can they accomplish? What can they actually pull off? Stuff. And so I was looking at the Simple Series stuff, and I, I thought, oh, okay, the Zeta, that's pretty cool. That's a Persian. I was really into Persians at the time, so maybe they can make that. So I sent Joe that design, and he loved it and wanted to do it immediately. He's like, yeah, we want that one. 
well, all right, cool. And he, he told me, like, we want to do a second design. We want to do two off the bat. So I was thinking, all right, well, what will people want to see? What will people want to buy? Two simple, simpler designs or one and maybe something a little crazier. So I just, on a whim, I just emailed him the sketch, the two-dimensional hand sketch of the Eschaton. I was like, you think you guys could uh, maybe pull something like this off? And it's a little crazy, but, and he said, yeah, we want to do that. And he was more excited about doing the Eschaton than he was the Zeta. So I said, I proceeded to refinish the CAD file according to their process. So I had to change, obviously, the hardware and the pivot assembly a little bit and change little little variances in the uh, the handle geometry to accommodate their manufacturing process. And then I sent him that CAD file, and they got to work on it, and the rest is history, I guess. They, uh, they finished the 3D file and got it to me and then finished prototypes uh, thereafter and turned out pretty cool. To date, I would say that it's probably the closest to my original vision of what a design should look like and, and should how it should be built is the Eschaton, basically. That's, and what were, what were the production numbers on the Eschaton? So we made 1,200 of those. We made uh, 700 in CF and 500 in titanium. And that's it. I mean, that's, that that's night's it. not going to come back. It won't come back in a um, a normal version, but it may possibly come back in a higher-end dress version. We'll see. It may possibly uh, Damasteel in Timascus. Hmm. Possibly, maybe, who knows? Possibly, maybe, perhaps, theoretically, yes, maybe. Okay. In the future, at some point. And now, as, as we're recording this, we're on the heels of um, the deployment of the Arrakis. Is that so? That must be in the similar. So, that um, is series. another, yes, that is another design in the Odyssey line. That was actually previous to the, to the Eschaton, because the Eschaton was the last design in the series, hence the name Eschaton comes from the Latin term eschatology, eschatos, meaning the last thing. So that's where mm. that name comes from. It also means the end of the world, but that's beside the point. But the Arrakis okay. was actually a one of the original four designs in that series. But it's going to precede the eschaton, or follow the, the eschaton in, uh, in sequence of the Odyssey line. And it is due out in, as the time of this recording, like nine to ten days it should be at dealers so so the name the name arrakis um i mean i associate that with with dune i don't know where yes so that is a reference to dune the desert planet um it, its original name is the arrakis so the original name for the arrakis the knife that was actually the astralis because I don't know, I was reading some esoteric cosmetology jargon, whatever, online one day, and I, I happened to c- across that name, and I thought it was pretty cool, so I just wrote it down and thought it fit with that design. Hmm. But then I renamed it the Arrakis because I was getting it a Dune at the time, so I just thought it fit, and it, it also had the, the letter A. A lot of times a design will start with a, uh, the naming what of a design will start with a letter. What is so, Dune? So Dune is a uh, a book by Frank Herbert, and it's a um 
I think there's like three or four in this series, but then they made a movie. David Lynch uh, made a movie back in the eighties. It wasn't too well received, but it was uh, it was an okay. It was a it was a uh, a good effort. To well, without film getting the series, too, but yeah, too sidetracked. Yeah, Dune was like an an amazing sci-fi epic that they actually originally tried to make um, by like two different directors, and then yeah, so uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky yep. was was actually supposed to make a Dune film back in the 70s, and it just never panned out, never happened. There's a great documentary about the making of Jodorowsky's Dune. Yeah, I everybody's urge interested. Everyone I assume you've seen that. it, but oh, yeah. anybody who hasn't seen it is, if you watch that, and then if you're a fan of Dune or you've never seen it, like that one was probably going to be the one, and, and then the later one was still, I mean, I enjoy it, Sting was in it, whatever, but the original was probably going to yeah. be completely mind-blowing. If you're familiar at all with any of any of his work, Holy Mountain, um, El Topo, yeah, yeah, that Dune would have completely destroyed. Any it would have been pretty, film. pretty incredible for sure. Yeah, what okay. his plans were Got for it. that film. Yeah, Proceed. but yeah, that's where the uh, the reference for the name Arrakis came from because I I felt that that design kind of oh my god, kind of fit with that mythology, that world. Hmm. So I just I just named it the Arrakis. Okay, and that's part of the Odyssey line. So that's are there other uh, are there other designs that we're gonna see from that line in the future, or you put out these two and you feel like that's that's the completion of the idea? Hopefully, every year or every two years, depending on complexity, we will release one design a year from the Odyssey series. Oh, okay. So this is a collect them all type situation. Yeah, that is definitely going to. Probably, if I get my hopes fulfilled, that will happen. All thirteen designs will be will make it to production eventually. So, Very like Pokemon, cool. okay, gotcha. yeah, a little bit like Pokemon, I suppose. So, you've been developing your relationship with these production companies. You've been developing your design style. You've been developing your naming style, and along the way, you're still collaborating with um, directly with the community and and custom knife makers, handmade guys, CNC guys, whatever. So we. Yeah, we uh-huh. touched we touched on a couple. Um, what was I know you did one with Robert Carter. I don't know what when that falls into the timeline, but um, but tell us a little about your work with with custom makers and and them so, developing uh, your yeah. So we talked about Alex Dietz and Ben Chacon of Toxic Blades. Um, I guess the follow up to that would be Jeff Vandermeulen. I started uh, getting in contact with him pretty early on. I think 2013. And we had been talking for a while, and he wanted me to do the CAD work because he saw my stuff on Instagram and knew that I could do a 2D CAD. And he really wasn't feeling it at the time. He didn't really like to do it. So he asked me if I could do the 2D CAD on his homicide model, the smaller version of his double homicide. So I worked on that for a bit and got it to him, and he uh, soon after got to work on doing the homicide. And then our friendship kind of led us into doing more collabs per se, I guess you could call them collabs. He wanted me to do a uh, an outright design of from my own mind, not something that he had thought of first because the homicide, I went off something that he had done, a previous work, so he just wanted, he basically said, I want a Persian. And I came up with the, uh, what he calls the instigator, which is I feel it's pretty. It's a pretty good representation of both his and my work, kind of melded together. 
Yeah, like, I didn't know you designed, you, you mm-hmm. put work to that design. I just think it was one of his because it looks very similar to the double homicide. Yeah, so that was kind of one of the first designs that I went off of a maker's style. I kind of tried to disconnect from my own style and go off of someone else's. Hmm. And I tried to design it sort of like I, I was thinking like Jeff, so it looks a lot like his. So you smoked a fat joint and then got to design and gotcha. I mean, I cannot confirm or deny, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. So the instigator was first, and then the perpetrator I did for him. It's a small little, like, uh, three-inch kind of Skinner-type folder. But uh, that's an ongoing uh, collaboration relationship where we just kind of keep pinging ideas off each other. And you're like, yeah, I like that, so I'll make it cool, whatever. And, uh, yeah, we've done the instigator, the perpetrator, uh, the executioner, which is a cleaver-style uh, folder, and I'm sure there's more on the way. Whenever Jeff has a crazy with, idea, yeah. If you're not familiar with some of these knives, they're definitely, they, they go from three inches, and I know Elijah's prototype um, is is giant. It's, uh, yeah. so it's like, really big. Like, you really can't imagine how big this knife is. So on the instigator, he was like, hey, do you want a four-inch? Because this model is going to typically be a four-inch. This was prior to when he did. He was doing the three-inch and three-and-a-half-inch. I was like, you want a four-inch or a five-inch? I was like, whatever. I'll just do the five-inch. I know how you like your ma- like to make your crazy huge knives, so I'll just do the five-inch. And he made the prototype for me in a five-inch variant, so I still have that. It's pretty crazy. Pretty big. That is a super awesome, super awesome chopper slicer it's about the size of your arm depending on your arm size it's pretty big. yeah i do believe it's just over a foot long when it's open Ooh. so yeah i did i did have the pleasure of, of ordering one of those from him and it was uh or not he offered it whatever anyway we had one and it, it went pretty quickly it was it was pretty great it was definitely one of the largest knives i've seen in hand um and it was neat which was which was interesting because at the time i actually got that knife before i knew um, your relationship with the knife, mm-hmm. uh, and I think I think a lot of people. I know Jeff makes a, a a good a good racket about it, but I think a lot of people know the knife and maybe don't even know your association with it. Yeah, he's um, when he first introduced it, he let everybody know that it was um, a collaboration between the two of us. But uh, yeah, I can see where a lot of people don't realize that we had uh, a partnership in designing that knife. Yeah, for sure. That's 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 very cool. Jeff's Jeff's awesome. We're gonna have Jeff on the podcast at some point, and we'll Jeff we'll is an awesome sure character about he's that. A, about he's that a good night. dude. Now, did did you guys do? Um, oh, I'm spacing out on the name now. What's the 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 homicide is the one with the excessive finger choils, right? Yeah, so it's got four uh, finger choils. It's the smaller version. It's a three and a half version. Of the double homicide, which is like a crazy, like four, four and a half inch monstrosity. That's crazy. Yeah. And pausing, I'm getting my pizza. Hold on, I'll be right back. Getting that pizza. Okay, I'm going to go flip that burger. That would be a steak. You got to get that pizza. You got to flip that burger. Steak. I'll sit here and talk to myself. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to say, my steak is ready. I got food. 
I just want to say right now. I am pretty, pretty drunk. I, I am, I am, I am, I am, Jesus Christ, man! It's one fucking beer, you pussy. You gotta edit that. Dude, it ain't, it ain't no beer, man. You're editing that part, and he's like, I'm pretty drunk. I'm keeping that in. It's still one fucking beer, goddammit. I just drank like fucking. I just drank four nine percent beers, and I just like exactly. About I haven't fucking slept in a week, and I just had two fucking glasses of bourbon, and I haven't. Okay, I have not. I, have I am not dying inside. Thank you. Gotta get you on target, son. God. <laughs> How big was it? Was it like a like a seven fifty? It's like a forty. <laughs> it's not a forty. We saw the picture. It's no, it's like a normal size. It's eleven percent. No, four, no four, eleven percent beer comes in forty size. All right, so we're gonna jump Bitch. back into this. Um, we're doing a little bit of uh. Substances. Did some we, stuff. Uh, we had a moment, momentary food break and liquor break. So we're back and we're going to get right into the questions. Right into the questions. We're going to jump into. So Elijah has a lot of community questions, um, which we're going to just we're just going to get into right now. We've some of the. OK, so to be fair, a lot of these um, either we've already covered where we've touched on. So while we're going over them, we might skip or abbreviate some of your questions, but we're going to try to give everybody their, their due time who, who was nice enough to, to throw questions out. So we're going to start with number one. Uh, Charlie, the lefty wants to know what directly were your knife design influences? So you, you kind of talked about that a little bit and said uh, definitely the Benchmade onslaught. Were there any other, any other direct influences um, for your current designs? For uh, current, I would suppose it's kind of an evolution of my past. But for the past, I would say definitely Marsh, Jeremy Marsh. He played a big influence in my um, my process Who's from very early on. Who's she? Who's she? If you don't know who Jeremy Marsh is. You got some Googling to do. Just uh, You got to Google it on the Instagram, kids. Yeah. yeah. If you don't know who Jeremy Marsh is, you might want to exit the knife industry uh, as a whole. Because he's my favorite maker. I've, I've said this uh, many times to people. He will always be my favorite maker. Something about his design language that just uh, appeals to me. He was definitely an inspiration for uh, some very early work. And then, thankfully, I developed my own style and could work off of my own style evolution to what it is now. They say uh, an idea is never born in a vacuum or whatever, but I kind of think that mine were, perhaps, because I, I wasn't looking at a whole lot of stuff at the time, but definitely... I would say that Jeremy Marsh uh, was a big influence uh, starting out for sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, he he does he does good work. I know he and he and Jeff did a collaboration on a ballet song actually, which turned well, out really neat. Well, Marsh taught Jeff how to make knives, from what I understand. So they yeah, so Jeremy taught taught Jeff how to make knives. He basically apprenticed him uh, from the very beginning. So yeah, Jeff, like I guess you could say maybe some of his earlier work. Um, kind of had a lot of Marsh influence, but he's developed his own style, for sure, but yeah, uh, Marsh has played a big role in my uh, 
my career for sure. Nice. All right. So Nick is but eating a salad. I guess you could say, um, you could, you could as hear. far as influence... <laughs> Take fucking number two question for Christy. What do you do here? You as far as influence... As far numbered. as, like, direct influence, it's not knives. It's, it has nothing to do with knives. Um, I've never really explicitly said um, publicly about my influences on knife design, but a lot of the time, it's honestly a certain emotion... Or a feeling you get from first looking at the knife and then using the knife, whatever that may be, it actually, that does directly influence the design characteristics. Because as soon as you see something, you say you're, something. Going to, you're going to feel a certain way. And whatever that feeling is, I try to tap into as, you know, pretentious as that may sound. I try. I, I do try to uh, to go off like kind of emotion. As, mm -hmm. as weird as it may sound, You're I try to go off emotion. Background. So I mean, you are thinking about a little bit of ergos, no? Well, that's the thing. I I design specifically from ergonomics, but I try and implement as much kind of impact emotionally as possible. Like they say, a lot of times music can. Um, move you to tears for example but visual art um is is usually not not so uh blunt and forward with it but i consider knife design a form of visual art for sure and if it looks correct to the eye if you have a good trained eye then it will be correct ergonomically when you use it so i mean the eye and the hand have to follow a certain evolutionary kind of path. And this is getting off into some crazy theories here, but I believe that they're, they're, they're one and the same. If it looks correct to you, then it will be correct when you're using the knife ergonomically. And that's just something that you have to develop over time. It's just, it's just something that comes with just learning by doing, basically just continually doing until you understand what works for ergonomics visually and when you're actually using the knife in hand. So when you're doing a specific process or a specific cutting task. All right, so you repeated knowing, yourself like four times. Knowing, so knowing, the, relation, <laughs> knowing the relation <laughs> between aesthetic correctness and ergonomic correctness I think so go hand in hand. That's the, that's the fifth time I think. Okay, so let's so question number two. <laughs> I kept saying that and realized Again, I might it eating, might be so. it might be due to the uh, uh, imperial Russian stout. Just just letting you know. You had one beer, okay. okay um, number two, it's a Fields on the pay. It's a layered question. It's a Marvel. He's like Marvel or DC. Um, I would say for comics, definitely DC because I'm a big Batman fan. Uh, one of the only superheroes that actually doesn't technically have superpowers. He just has a lot of wealth and a lot of resources. Oh, yeah. So he can create. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I would say so, but you can't really compete with Batman. Um, but as far as movies and film are concerned, definitely Marvel. They seem to have the recipe down, for sure. Uh, DC can't really compete with Marvel uh, in the film category. So I would say DC for comics 
and Marvel for film, for sure. Okay. Second part is Foster Brown's washers or bearings. And then uh, after that, Jeremiah, we're on question. After this is question two, we'll go to question three. I just need to go get my charger. So. Okay, for sure. On. If I had a um, a preference, I would say Foster Brown's washers because I'm a very big fan of Jeremy Guinness's work, and he has used Foster Brown's washers, I think, throughout his career, except for the uh, Proline series, which he used bearings. But him specifically has um, inspired me to whenever I do actually start making customs. I want to try and use Phosphor Brown's washers over bearings because I feel hmm. that they are superior in the action and in the fitment and construction of a folding flipper knife if you do it correctly. And I think this the um the the one example of any custom maker's work that does it correctly is Jerry McGinnis. So if you haven't had the chance to handle one of his knives uh, definitely seek one of his knives out and try it out because he uses phosphor washers and I love them. Over bearings, bearings in a way I guess kind of make it simple and easy right. to uh, for anybody to make a knife. Kind of in a way, there is still some uh, expertise required to do that. But for phosphor washers, you really have to know what you're doing. You have to get everything flat and parallel. And to fit completely perfectly together to get the function correctly. I know. So I would have to say Frosted Bronze Washers over bearings for sure. A lot of old school makers and a, and a lot of guys really do prefer washers. I know if um, if Bill was here, he would go on a, on a, a, a quasi rant about, about washers over bearings. Definitely. We'll touch. I mean, bearings are great for high end production, like high quantity production. Bearings are fine, but. As far as bespoke kind of limited run phosphor bronze washers in custom knives, that's the way to go, I, I feel. So I would have to say washers over bearings. Right on. All right. Um, so Living the Dream 55 uh, wants to know, how do you test the strength of your blades with the open portion? Um, like the Escaton, they're obviously beautiful, but at what point would it degrade the structural integrity? So he's calling into question the structural integrity of the windows and your blades. Yeah, so um, definitely blade cutouts. That's just basically knowing the limits of what you can do to get away with on width and um, proportion in relation to ratio. Yep. But how do you um, know these limits? It's just by doing it so much that you know what will fail at a certain point. Um, you can't get too thin on your bridges and your your outriggers to each, like on the Escaton specifically, the sinuous outriggers that go to each cutout that connect each other. You have to know um, how thick or how thin you can go on those through the heat treat of what's going to, what might snap. So, and how do you, you know these to, things? You basically just have to continually do it and know what's, what's going to be too thin or too thick. And you have to kind of ride the line of what looks aesthetically pleasing, what can be functionally correct, and what will be structural, maintain the structural integrity of the blade. So, uh, hmm. yeah, for sure, I would say just continually doing until you know. So, 
when still you kind of unclear on what's this how, how do you continually do it so you know like what kind of testing like with the escaton for sure like, I, I drive it i drive over it with like a semi truck or something like, yeah gotta, i did i go did extreme on the uh, escaton proto when i first got it um into a uh, a chunk of wood and it held up very well the blade didn't didn't fail one at all like whatsoever but um a lot of people have have commented like, "Oh, that's going to be weak in this area or that," and that's not really the case. If it's um, designed correctly, it actually creates kind of an I beam structure, so it actually becomes stronger in a way. Mm. If it has a, a cutout in the right area, and the outrigger or connector in the correct area will actually make the blade. The blade well, uh, integrity. How is something stronger? Be stronger if material is missing? And it's always going to be stronger if it's solid. Oh. An I beam will be stronger if it's uh, a square tube than it is an well, I beam. If you think of an I beam, no, but an I beam got... is strong because it's it's the proportions. It's stronger weight, proportion to weights. its weight, but at the end of the day, yeah. if it's a four inch I beam, is not stronger than a four inch square tube. Yeah, yeah. square so, bar. It, so basically, it's, proportion it's in relation to ratio. So if you get the ratio correct and the proportions of the thickness. So if you take an I beam, if you filled in those voids with material you could bend it very easily but because it's an i-beam it, it creates 90 degree angles and curvature so it, it basically creates a stronger so you're telling me because if it's not assembly design like an i-beam it's going to be stronger than like that was just solid steel if you design well, literally why but to be fair that's literally why they use i-beams to build bridges that's, that is not why they if use you design the holes in the right places then it will be stronger in weight well, you ratio, still bend so it material you, is stronger. You could still bend it. Like, say you took an escaton and, and, and put it in a vise and start to bend. The blade wouldn't wouldn't fail. The lock assembly and the pivot assembly would fail long before the blade would actually snap. Oh, I'm not snap. worried about the blade in that design. There's no reason. Yeah. It's, it's hard to metal. It ain't breaking. The only thing that would worry me in that knife is the joint point from carbon to tie. And that's what I think they're talking about here. The blade yeah, shouldn't I, break by any means. If, if the blade is breaking, it's definitely not yeah. a design issue. There's probably a people see, in the steel. When people see material that's missing, they think automatically, oh, it's less strong because it has less of something. But that's not the case. I mean, if you're actually using it in such a manner that would affect the, stru the structural integrity of the knife, then you're probably doing something wrong to begin with. <laughs> so. Well, you said you batoned with it. I did. I actually have a video of that. A baton with it. The blade didn't fail at all. I checked it on a surface plate. It was it retained uh, rigidity. It was the same. It it didn't have a bend or twist in it at all. It didn't fail at one bit. The blade didn't, but the lock did, which is well to be expected because you're batoning it through a piece of hickory that's you know very dense, but the blade which was the main aspect that I was testing did not fail a bit. So hmm. because I was, I was curious as well. I was like, well, is this going to hold up to, if somebody had the inclination of using it kind of in a hard on something. Yeah. In, in a bushcraft situation, which it was designed for specifically, um, would it hold up? And, uh, yeah, I think it, I think it would. So, yeah. All right. Um, number four looks like we have, a. From our community questions, we have black plastic. Uh, this is an unfamiliar one for me, but do you remember the whole uh, Vipon and Kaiser coupon deal? I've always wondered how Vipon screwed that up. 
I, I don't know what that's. Yeah, so I heard, I heard about that through yeah, uh, some people. Apparently, there was a um, a deal on when you could get you could get a Mega Ethereum for like seventy five percent off or something crazy. What? Yeah, I don't okay. know much about it because I never tried it myself. But um, yeah, I definitely heard about that through uh, some collectors. Hmm. Okay. Um. So we'll just go with uh, not sure. Seems legit. One. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not sure that one. Yeah, I'll just go with. I, I didn't know what he was talking about, so I'm not sure. Yeah, apparently there's a site called Bipon, and you could get, they had this, like, mess up where they offered a, uh, a Kaiser Mega Ethereum for, like, 75% off or something crazy through oh. a uh, coupon deal. But, yeah, I never, I think it only lasted for, like, maybe a week. That was actually, now that I think of it, because I was just scrolling through your Instagram, that was the first time I think I met you was that, um... PKI, right? When you brought your prototype Megatherium into the shop that was um, unbranded, right? Yeah, that was actually the second iteration of that. That was the thinner tie version frame lock that they uh, they messed up and, and used uh, thinner titanium on the frames. Hmm. So they just gave me a prototype of that, and I had uh, John Taco uh, laser some of my artwork on there. Right yep. on. Uh, number five, Axel Bean wants to know, how does music inspire your designs? Uh, I would say greatly. Um, specifically the band Tool, for sure. Um, big inspiration. I've learned a lot through them, uh, indirectly, through researching the band's history and nuances of certain things they were involved in, has contributed to my like naming system and design philosophy through just that band so definitely uh music has inspired my designs not just with them but a lot of music um i try and go go off of feeling usually so whatever songs or playlists i'm listening to at the time i will kind of try and implement into the design i'm doing so yeah i would say that music uh inspires my designs greatly for sure right on Okay. A lot of tool in there. A lot of tool, for sure. Uh, number six is the uh, inevitable question. Uh, Inevitability? Yeah. Is it, uh, it going to be Indica or is it going to be Sativa? Uh, when I do if partake, either. I would say Sativa, for sure. Okay. Um, yeah. I got to stay up and walk it around. No gotcha. sitting on the couch for me. Right. Uh, number seven. Nick, why don't you take this one? Oh, crap. Uh, uh, Matt Lucas, uh, is a hot dog a sandwich or a hot dog? I would say a hot dog is not a sandwich at all because... Um, but it's during two pieces. The, during the origin of the sandwich, the early sandwich... <laughs> I don't think hot dogs were around then, so sandwich definitely came first. So therefore, a hot dog is not a sandwich. But a sandwich is a piece of bread folded over contents. It doesn't matter what the contents. Whoa, whoa, are. whoa, whoa! A yeah, see, this is, two is a separate uh, pieces of bread. Not necessarily. You ever get whoa. a hero? That is this not is an argument. That's not a fucking sandwich. That's a wrap. This no, is a hero is not a fucking wrap. A hero is a sandwich. Ratio. Are we gonna roast you here? No. What ratio? So the ratio of bread to to meat 
quantity is uh is not the same. So I I, I technically I think that, that it's that not a sandwich. That doesn't mean anything. There's no ratios. If I wanted Nothing. to, I could yeah. put one slice of meat inside of my sandwich, but I know, yeah. bitch. So there's like ten slices. Yeah, it doesn't mean I, anything. It has a different name for a reason. It's a hot dog. It's not a sandwich. So. Right. Yeah, I mean. No, what do you call a burrito? What's that? Yeah, I mean that has some kind of flour. I, I, don't, I don't think your, lo- I don't think your logic and... is valid. My logic is never valid. That's what's keeping me afloat this whole time. Is uh, illogical, complete <laughs> stupidness. Yeah. Well, so. So your statement's invalid. So, yeah. Theoretically, the answer is we plead the fifth. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say Earl's sandwich was before the hot dog. So hot dog is not a sandwich. I don't think that matters. That's not how this works. A hot dog can be a sandwich. If it's if it's at a certain point, you get a hot dog with all these toppings. If you want to be a sandwich, sandwich, then it's it's a sandwich. Now it's a bun with meat and toppings. That is. It's whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. The laws of your reality do not apply to mine. That's my line. Yeah, <laughs> you're stealing lines here. All right, all right. Knife to uh, know ya. Number eight. How can I become as much of a lady killer as you? Well, I think, uh, Micah, I think you got that under control in that department. But um, walking into a building with a bottle of Macallan 12 and a box of Krispy Kremes sure, certainly doesn't hurt. So. I mean, that's I'm gonna be honest, kids. That's the way to do it. And what yeah, you want to do is you wanna you wanna have a crew or a posse with little Krispy Kreme hats on, and you wanna be at a, a high end knife show so everyone knows you're real serious. Yeah, you gotta walk in, letting everybody know what's up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You gotta have that Jeremiah. McAllen 12 and those Krispy Kremes at the ready. Yeah. Jeremiah, I'll give you the next question since you have the same problem with that knife. All right, let's take a look here. Oh, number nine, V underscore, which is the which is like a dash, but it's like lower. Got this. Um, it's like a lower dash. It's like okay. below the line. Below and, the line. Underscore. Yeah, it doesn't. It's underscore. an overused. Yeah, it's very much over, under overused. Anyway, hyphen. So V underscore, which I just explained what that was. Droker wants to know how can I make my black star not be a danger to anyone who uses it. It's sexy, but don't stay open for shit. I mean, that's the nature of a fixed bl- or a um, slip joint. So, I would say don't lend your black star to anyone without notifying this is them first. Society. Okay, this is a uh, this is a slip joint, so you know it doesn't lock open. the The blade will close if you're not careful. So I don't understand the slip joint. So a slip joint, uh, those existed before locking knives. Interesting. I don't believe and you. Generally, they were used throughout society for any kind of specific task you would need in normal life. So, uh, Elijah, who invented the slip joint? Ah, oh, man, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not 100 positive, but I think it was probably some kind of uh, English settler. Somebody the, who just uh, wanted to have a knife. 1600s. I mean, my dad's got some some slip joint horn construction slip joints that date back as far as the 1700s so oh yeah who knows that's so like what, asking yeah who but designed the bowie knife the james brand knife? yeah the james brand did though. the james brand did invent 
in fact, the uh, the slip joint. And just so, in case yeah. anyone was wondering, in the 1600s yeah. in England. Yes. If you're unfamiliar, I swear, with the to, I swear to God, I knew the. It shows up in the in the Wikipedia of Earth and Time. It says James Brand invented everything that you want to be. Question Absolutely. number eleven. New underscore dad thirty four. Any collaboration with Spiderco Inc. in the future? Um, no comment. Question number twelve. Nick, you want to take this one? God damn it! I'm, I'm like trying to cat work and I'm not trying to fall asleep. Uh, that's a long ass one. Ragnar, what is your favorite handle material to work with? That isn't valid. Is there any one material you have never done but would like to? What is your personal favorite blade shape? Warncliffe, Spearpoint, Clippoint, etc. Okay, so uh, I guess my favorite handle material to work with is definitely Mother of Pearl because I find it's such an enjoyment to grind. <laughs> and uh, and, and what have you ever, and, and tell yeah. me what scenarios have you ever touched Mother of Pearl to grind or two? <laughs> I, would, I would have to say that I've never. Uh, in my life, uh, ground mother pearl. <laughs> um, okay, in all seriousness, um, I can't answer that question because I've never made anything. Um, You've made but I would say not knives. No, not just not knives. Um, I've made guitar picks out of Lexan and ebony wood. Um, just for reference, the Lexan likes to. Uh, no one gives a shit about to... Lexan, goddamn it. Kind of like bubble so. up and burn when you're trying to turn it on a lathe. Uh, doesn't gr- doesn't sand very well. Um, on to more serious topic. Uh, what's my fir- personal favorite blade shape? I would have to say Warncliffe. Oh, that's uh, dumb. All right. For sure, because it can. Um, it's very accommodating towards a lot of design. Um, profiles because the tip is below the pivot. Anytime you have a tip below the pivot. You can do a whole lot more with the uh, the handle profile than you can if the tip is in line with the pivot or above the pivot. If it's above the pivot, mm. um, i.e. a Persian design, you're very limited on what you can do with the uh, handle geometry. So with a Warncliffe, you can you can yeah, basically go up with handle eight. ratios. They can, they can because but... uh, you can't you can't make it stick all the way to the bottom of the handle, or else like if the handles if what happens is before the knife fully opens, the tip sticks out. And we'll yeah. cut you if you're not holding it right. Yeah. Which is I mean, why, you like... You just got to get your uh, your open and uh, closed attitudes on your stop pin correct to begin yeah, with. Your but, attitudes yeah. straight yeah, up. But like, that's why we're like uh, the Razel series by John Graham. Great knives. But he has not the best handle or blade ratio. And that's not because his design. It just, it's a functional reason. So that way when the knives open, they don't stick out the bottom since his knives are sharpened on the front and the edge. So they don't cut you. Like I will say, the Razel series is a razor chisel. The front of the knife, as well as the lower portion, are both sharp. So it's a like a traditional carpenter's chisel and a razor in one. The Razel, just just in case anybody did not know what yeah. that was. Yeah. So basically, in awesome. his case, the reason his blade to handle ratio isn't the greatest is because he has to bury the entire front end of the blade inside the handle. So right. because it's a razor. Yeah. Hey, you can't have the tip chisel sticking out. Question thirteen. Stress and Puns wants to know, what's the best overall knife? Question mark. I would have to say that depends on what you're using it for. Um, if you're going to use it for bushcraft, if you're going to use it for survival, whatever that means. If you're going to use it for self-defense, EDC, it really depends on what you're wanting to use the knife for. There's no such thing as the best overall knife, because 
no one knows what you're going to want to use it for specifically most of the time. So yeah, whichever, uh, whichever, uh, task you're trying to use it in, you got to go off that and use that as a, um, a basis for what you're trying to, I would buy. say that the best overall knife would be the buck 110 hunter. I'd I mean, I would disagree with that. I would say that it's probably a drop point. So if I had to say, like, of the current knives available today, as much as I would not really want to say, I'd, I'd imagine it'd be the the Benchmade uh, bug out, probably. Wow. I think both of you guys are wrong, and I think it should wow. be a ballast song. Yeah, Benchmade bug out. For the main reason of That's probably yeah. the ballast song, CDC available on the market today. Lightweight, it's a uh, question 14. It's a drop point. Sharp Dad 33 wants to know when's the mathematical tool inspired folder being made? That has already been made, and uh, Sharp Dad 33 is referring to the um schism, which I named after a tool song and was directly inspired by a tool song, so and video. So, um, what what series was it? Was it the simple series? What was it? No, it was. It's part of the Odyssey series. Oh, it is part of the Odyssey series. Yeah, that is directly inspired by a tool uh, chord so progression a, in the song Schism. So there's a third Odyssey knife. I thought you no, just did the Arrakis. Yeah, but I thought you just did the Arrakis and the Eschaton. I did. But you just said that, that that's part of the Odyssey series. Yeah, there are 13 total designs in the Odyssey series. Okay, but the Schism hasn't been made yet. No, it has not. But it's on its way. Oh, it's on its way, all right. It's just waiting to push through the fleshy folds of life. Absolutely. Okay. I'll get the next one. Um, if someone, sh- I'll get the next one. I'll also answer it. If someone shaved your mustache off in your sleep, would you lose your powers? Now, look, I tried this when he was staying at my house, and somehow he woke up the next day, and it was a quarter inch longer. Just grew back, and it was longer. I can't explain it. I mean, Nick pretty much just answered that question. Uh, if you try and shave off my mustache, it will just grow back twice as long. So yeah, the misconception is he doesn't have powers. The mustache is the power. It's just there, and if you try to shave it off, it comes yeah, back. The longer. mustache is actually Elijah. The rest of the fleshy part is that's mustache. That's that's just the host. Yeah, the host. Yeah, it's is, just the yeah. host for the uh, the entity that that's is right. the mustache. The human it's, skin is just it's contained it's just, in yeah. my mustache. Sure. Elijah lives in the mustache, and then the rest of it's kind of just, yeah, whatever. I am the mustache, and uh-huh. the body the body is just uh, here to um, emote and locomote the mustache around to get to get certain ideas and uh, function. But yes, I am the mustache. I am the mustache. Yeah. The casual cutter. No, 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 We've 16. already answered this question, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna. Tried and true. How does one break into the knife design specifically if they have no prior industrial design work experience, comma, and are not a current knife maker? Period, 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 question mark. So that's actually how I started. I had no prior industrial design work, <laughs> no design work at all, no experience, was not a knife maker. I just got into it, knew what I wanted to do, started drawing have a direct focus of what you want to do, what you want to accomplish, continually draw knife after knife after knife, and develop your own style. That is the most important aspect of this, I can probably say. Develop your own style and learn by doing. So 
right one up. day you too can be an Elijah Isham. Yeah. I mean, if you if you stick to your own rule book and occasionally break the rules and have an, a constant evolution, and I can't stress enough, develop your own style, not just aesthetically, but ergonomically and functionally. Then just, yeah. Question 17 from Paul Ryderer wants to know when the Gigatherium release date is. This is the Gigatherium. I mean, hopefully we'll see a prototype around Blade Show. That's oh, the uh, right. that's the oh, scheduled right. <laughs> date for the prototype. So hopefully we see some, we see a prototype by Blade Show. And then as far as the time schedule goes, you might see those hit hit dealers around I would say November, December. Yeah, how much much larger is the Giga? So the Gigatherium is going to be a monstrosity of a folder. It's basically a a, um, kind of a joke. I just thought of that name one night and and thought to myself, oh, we just did the Mini-Therium, well, we got to do the Gigatherium. So we have to have a small, medium, and large version of this same design, so... Why not go big or go home? So it's going to be probably a six-inch blade. Wow. It's going to be a big box. It's going to be a mind blown. Yeah. It's really big. Okay. How Uh, long is it? I I, I, I kind of spaced out. How How big is is the overall? What's the overall? Who cares about the blade? I don't care about the blade. Who cares about the overall? Well over. Well over a foot long. Jeez. No, but what's the yeah. blade size? No one ever gives a shit about the overall. What does that matter? Wow. The blade size, it's going to be a six inch. What? It's probably going to be about 13 and a half inches. What do you mean, long. who cares about the overall? It could be a six inch blade with a two inch handle. It definitely matters what the overall is. No one cares. It's just usable area and, and handle length. It's not like you put it in your pocket with overall. Whatever the sucks. blade length is, the handle's going to be an inch longer. So you're talking probably a six, six inch blade, seven, seven and a half inch handle. So. So it seems like a shitty blade to handle ratio. You do the math. Was not was wants to know, Nick. Participate, please. Why do you mean the whole Just answer our question once in a while. Just What's for, for me. For, right, you, for me, many of you that or sculptors in the guise of a tool that you've managed <laughs> to put into the observer's hand. That in and of itself is remarkable achievement. Do you consciously try to express or convey any meaning through your pieces? Or are you just focusing on what looks good? Okay, so, uh, yeah, a lot of my designs are kind of influenced by sculptural principles of design. Um, What looks correct to your eye is generally correct in reality. If you exercise that muscle, um... I never really try and focus on what looks good. I try and what focus I try and focus on what what will be good, what looks correct ergonomically in my eye. And then I usually print out a, a template and check the ergos throughout the process. So I'm making sure that everything fits correctly. The ergonomics are there. But uh I do try and and consciously uh convey meaning through the design but i mean that's up to you to to decipher i mean what means something to you might mean something different to me so i'll leave that open to interpretation a little bit i suppose right on yeah i mean that's 
a lot of that is is direct high art. I mean, it's it's what you get it at, you know, what what you feel when you look at a piece, you know. Yeah, I mean, with knives, it just happens to be a visual medium, just like a painting, except that you can actually pick it up and hold it and use it for a task. So, yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not one to say what means something to me will mean the same to you. So, whatever. I feel tingles. Yeah. Art, Nick, get it. Open to interpretation. You got you guys are taking me to like four art museums, and I just crack jokes and get high. Stasa twenty three wants to know. When are the abstruses abstruses? When are the, when are they shipping? When can we get them? I mean, so I they know, should be shipping pretty answer. quick, pretty soon uh, in the coming weeks. They're finishing them up right now. They're making the boxes, uh, doing the um, final finishing on the frames, and doing the etching of the logos right now. So they should be shipping okay. pretty soon, pretty in the next coming weeks. So we skipped uh, over that entirely because um, Nick was in a in a rush, but. The sweet abstruse is uh, that's that's one of your second uh, OEM projects. It is the second, yes. Uh, the Black Star was first, and the OEM project number two is the abstruse. Cool. It's a front flipper, two point eight inch uh, sheep's foot one cliff hybrid style weirdness front flipper, uh, frame lock and liner lock. So that should be at dealers um, in the coming weeks. So be on the lookout for that. That's available in what styles? So it's available in a frame lock, titanium frame lock. Uh, both versions have M390, and the other version is a liner lock steel with uh, carbon fiber frames. So inset liner lock. All right. All right. Uh, Nine Real MS Forge wants to know what are the biggest difficulties in taking a design into production and getting everything you want out of the end product. So I would say definitely uh, communication with the company, what you want to see, um, how true to the original design they stick to, um, how many aspects of the original formula transfer over to the three-dimensional render and then transfer over to the final product, the prototype in the product, because it can change throughout the design process from 2D to 3D to prototype to final production. Um, as long as it stays true to the original design, um, that could be kind of uh, difficult, but it's just about communication with the company, for sure. Hmm. And uh, we and Kaiser and Bestec have been pretty great with uh, communication and uh, staying true to my original design. So, <sighs> pretty cool. Right on. So definitely, definitely a hands-on though. I mean, making sure that uh... absolutely, yeah. You can't just like send this stuff off and be like, "All right, here you go." Hmm. You have to be involved in the process every step of the way for sure. Cool. All right. Uh, this old king, you can insert the underscores where you see fit. Still planning on designing a lefty knife. Uh, so every knife I design is a right-handed, generally either a liner lock or frame lock. And technically, any of those can be transferred over immediately to a lefty knife. You just have to flip the um, the cat over, basically from right to left. But you have. I have not yet, but um, <laughs> Kaiser has with the Megatherium. You can actually buy oh, lefty right. versions of both for variants of the Megatherium right now, both the frame lock and the uh, bolster lock versions. Wait, isn't the Mini Therium available in left hand? No, not yet, but it could be eventually. Okay. 
So the Megatherium is definitely... I, I remember seeing that, yeah. Left it's basically just a, uh, a conscious effort on my part to say, all right, let's make uh, a certain number of these lefty versions. And okay. um, if is we get enough interest in a certain design to do a lefty version, we uh, certainly will. See, and why, can't, why, why don't you just add holes on the show side do you, to flip over the clip? Are you a tripophobia? Tri tripophobia? Tri <laughs> um, I do not have tripophobia, but I think a lot of times when a... Uh, you just when hate design... left-handed people? Is that the problem? Yeah, or... is that the problem? You when a design has a, uh, an people? exposed hole or holes on the show scale, it just, it usually just... Uh, Do you hate me, Elijah? Just, is that the problem? Do it you just kind of gets on my nerves a bit. I'm ambidextrous in most things except writing, so I feel your pain. In most things except for writing. All right, no, that's 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 fair. I feel like that's... I did forget that there is there, the mega is available and and left handed. Um, Basically, it's just a uh, oh, let's make this a lefty okay. version. Okay. Yeah. I just haven't done that yet with a lot of designs. I, so. Okay. Sure. To be fair, I get a lot of emails about this. You know, do you guys carry left handed knives? There's not a lot of them out there, but there are left handed knives out of uh, available. There's a few a few companies make left handed automatics, and it's just like everything else in the world. Personally, as a left-handed person, you just get used to, like, look, sometimes there are and aren't things available, like yeah. watches. There just aren't a lot of them available. But when I see a left-handed watch, I'm immediately drawn to it just because it's a rare thing. Um, so I'll definitely get one. But, I mean, like, I don't know. It's not a deal-breaker for left-handed knives because most left-handed people are naturally ambidextrous. And great, I'm, I'm talking from, you know, personal experience, but you can just put the knife in your other pocket. It's not impossible. Yeah, yeah I mean, if you, if you take you a right-handed knife... If you take a right-handed knife and literally turn it 180 degrees, it becomes a left-handed knife, uh, yeah. contrary to popular belief. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and I, I feel your pain. I honestly do because I wear my watch. I always have on the right wrist. And uh, let's go and be try honest, and you don't find, really care. go and try and find a left-handed watch. It's not as easy as you think. It's not. It's really not. No. Number 22, banter double or perhaps triple underscore 247. Are there particular designs from others which inspire or influence you? We definitely have done that one already. Um, um, I wouldn't say directly. How about this? Inspire, how about this? Wait a minute. Would, let's, would definitely be, I guess two would be Marsh and okay. Tasha Bridger. Let's take this question and say, are there particular design, are there particular artistic designs from other industries which inspire or influence you. Let's do that. Let's let's get a different question in there. Um, yeah, um, for sure. Uh, different paintings. Uh, a lot of H.R. Giger stuff. Zdzisław uh, Bykczynski. I've referenced him in the past. Uh, Polish painter. He's ver been very influential in my uh, design aesthetic. Um, more so emotionally than anything, which is kind of uh, weird to say, but it's explain. the truth. <laughs> They, um, these designs of, make you cry, or they make you feel... No, I don't mean emotionally by, you know, sadness, but it's the full spectrum. If a design kind of, like, speaks to you when you first look at it, and then when you first pick it up and handle it, if it if it's something that appeals to you, you're going to want it. So I try and focus on that a lot. And if a certain painting appeals to you when you look at it, and you want to look at it for longer than 30 seconds... Probably I try and translate that over to knife design as much as I can, and Gene Swafikshinsky has been a big influence on that. And, of course, H.R. Giger, with all the biomechanical um, aspects of my Odyssey series, for sure. 
But uh, yeah, architecture for sure, sculpture, painting. Um, just certain shapes I see in everyday life, they all contribute for sure into my uh influences of design. Right on. All right. Uh, Shutterman five. Um, are you going to do a knife collaboration with Bob Neal? Uh, that is unlikely because Bob is kind of unto himself. I'd say he's one of the last uh, OG knife makers that goes by the old rules. Uh, the guy's like 84 years old. He lives in Monticello, Kentucky. And if you don't know, if you're not familiar with his work, he makes the curb knives, the curb slip joints that um, if you're ever at a show, just ask me about them. I usually have them on me. Uh, I have a couple of his knives. I went to his shop uh, earlier this year and or earlier last year in April uh, with my dad, and we visited him and picked up a couple knives. But a collaboration with him is is not likely because he kind of he's told me his process. He usually goes out into the shop and just does whatever he wants, whatever he has a uh, an idea for that day, and he gets it done. Goes back to the house, does the rest of his day, gets up in the morning, goes back. He's got a different idea, and he goes and does that. And that's basically his routine. He never really sticks to a, a certain schedule. He doesn't like to do anything with anyone else. I don't think he's ever done a collaboration in his career. Hmm. And he's just kind of unto himself. He's a uh, he's a very unique maker. And um, a, a collaboration with him, as I would love to do a collaboration with him, is very unlikely. It's probably not going to happen. So, All right. But he is a cool maker. If you're not uh, familiar with him, definitely Google Bob Neal. Bob Neal, I've definitely I've seen that that curved folder you presented, and it's it's far out. It's definitely uh, it's uh, it it'll warp your 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 vision for a second before you sort of wrap yeah, your head it's around. Unlike, it. It's unlike anything else I've seen ever. And um, uh, Shutterman Five, uh, Rob. Yeah, I was I was actually introduced um, to a lot of Bob Neal's work through him. So. Shout out to Rob. Oh, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh shoot! All right. Uh, PWH four two one. Is there any? Ch is there a chance you'd maybe do some more budget mindful designs in collaboration? I simply love just love your work, but live with a teacher's income budget. So yeah, that's the plan. Um, hopefully, in the future with OEM projects, I will do some more budget oriented type stuff and possibly with the Civivi line with we uh, their budget line I'll probably do a lot of uh, designs through them so I expect to see a lot of stuff under the um, $100 uh, price range wow. maybe even under the $50 price range wow. uh, in the coming future so yeah expect to see some uh, more budget oriented stuff for sure yeah. I mean that's that's on target under under $50 as stated before is really that's what the rest of the world thinks is the logical amount of money to spend on a knife and looks at less like we are completely insane. So. Absolutely, for sure. Yep. A lot of people, like with the Pleroma, just releasing $300. A lot of people think that's insane, and some people think that's that's nothing. That's uh, that's what they spend on Time Axis clips. So you kind of have to bridge the gap there and go back into the budget-oriented if you um, pay $300 kind of bring a lot of people clip, in. you're a sucker. Just saying. Yeah. yeah. Depends on the maker, I suppose. 
It always depends on what the market's willing to bear is the right answer. Uh, T-U-O-P-P-O T-U-P-P-O You got a lot of influencers from the sci-fi things so what is your favorite sci-fi movie? Uh, That is true. I've gotten a lot of uh, sci-fi inspiration for sure. It's my favorite uh, genre of film. Uh, I would have to say (laughs) my favorite sci-fi movie would be 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, Just with that that film kind of tries to tries to get across um, philosophically is pretty deep and pretty profound. So I would have to say that's that is the one sci-fi film that I consider my very favorite. Uh, Stanley Kubrick has been a uh, a favorite of mine for a lot of years. Um, he's an inspiration as well, outside of knife making and just general uh, creative process. So I would have to say, 2001: A Space Odyssey. Okay. All right, we're gonna we're gonna walk with it. Uh, number twenty six, uh, walk in guitar. Do you like listening music like Pink Floyd while designing? Uh, absolutely. Usually, almost every time I sit down to do CAD work, I'm listening to music, and it varies greatly. I could be listening to uh, Meshuggah or Enya. Uh, it it usually varies greatly. So, but yeah, Pink Shaking Floyd up. was one of my uh. Well, some of my f- first uh, favorite bands when I was littler um, definitely uh, drank up any kind of uh, inspiration I could from their albums. The Wall, um, Dark Side of the Moon, for sure. Just, just a saucer full of secrets. Yep. Yeah. Literally our word. Um, Wish You Were Here. It's a great one. Yeah, pretty much right. they've, done, they've done no wrong in their discography. Uh, yeah, they're one of my favorite bands for sure. Uh, gain a lot of inspiration from them, certainly. Mm-hmm. Next question. Did everyone, did everyone die? <laughs> uh, <laughs> my phone locked. God damn it. You guys are sending shit to the group and talking, resetting my questions. Pay attention. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say that it Bill is... Bill uh, Barrett Custom Knives... <laughs> Is Nick Chuprin a tranny? Um, Nick Look. Chuprin is, in fact, a tranny. Um, it's unbeknownst to most, but he hides it well. Uh, Look, it's 2019. You can't discriminate. A couple, a couple days at his I house. I can't buy a fucking attack, attack helicopter, goddammit. Uh, he is, in fact, I'm a tranny. a fucking attack uh, helicopter. Don't discriminate for certain. Uh, don't hate love. Don't, don't, don't hate. It's, it's nothing but love here. For, uh, nothing for Nick but Chuprin. love. A lot of people love his, uh, helicopters. Classification is his identification as a attack helicopter. So, yes. yeah, that's why I'm not on Facebook often because they won't let me switch it. I identify it as a stuffed cheesy bread. Uh, if you could do a hero knife for a current franchise, which would it be, and what would you call it? Did you just skip to 28 then go back? Yeah, I can do whatever I want. So what, what number is there that? Are no I just asked you the question. You're going to say number, goddammit. Okay. Uh, if I could do a hero knife. Um, if I could go back in time, I would definitely like to have designed a knife, like an EDC uh, slip joint or small gentleman's carry for Rick Deckard in the Blade ser- uh, Blade Runner series. Huh. Um, 
that would have crossed over into a few years ago, Blade Runner 2049. That would have been cool. Something to go along with his um, blaster. Uh, that's been a favorite of mine for years. Or One of my favorite films. carry a slip joint if he has a fucking blaster? Well, if you ever look at, if you've razor. ever watched the film, Nick, you would know that uh, he's got a lot of neoclassical kind of film. I don't have time for trivial aspects. things like movies. Goddamn it! Oh, God. I just make knives. Aspects of the film oh, that are, oh, that I find. No, I, I, I got. I'll probably watch on the flight to Vegas. I've been actually meaning to watch Blade Runner twenty forty eight for a while. Twenty four, the new one. Yeah, but have you seen the original? That's the that's the mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. No. Well, you're not going to understand what's going on. In the, in you got to the... get down on the sci-fi, dude. It's for real, man. It's, uh, it's good stuff. Wikipedia, I'll read. Like, I, you know, I can't, I can't watch old movies. I just thought, I don't know. It's not in, oh my God. Pretty much every yeah, film made before 2005 I mean, is better than anything made now. So I, Yeah, 90% of cinema was created when did it come out? Now. And one? this is just a bunch uh, of like regurgitated nonsense. Yeah, see, I can't watch anything before like 95. Or like anything before Jeremiah was born. It's just not good. Don't don't watch You're it. You're like 30-something. Yeah, I can't. if I can't watch anything like in the late 90s, I won't be able to watch that. So Blade Runner came out in 1982 for all, all that are listening. Um, yeah, one of my favorite films. Um. Uh, 29. Why, is that the same Wyatt? Wyatt Fennel, any chance of ambidextrous designs coming down the pipes? Yeah, for sure. I got uh, one I just finished recently that could uh, facilitate for ambidextrous chariot. A Um, a thumb stud on both sides? The Pleroma does have a thumb stud on both sides, but it does not have a clip on both sides. So it's not technically completely ambidextrous. But I do have a couple designs that are more linear and not as curvy that would be perfect for ambidextrous uh, carry. So, yeah, that's definitely something I'm thinking about, for sure. There's no uh, 30. That is the end of the community <laughs> question. That is the end of the questions. Uh, okay. Wow. <laughs> just gonna throw us off with that one. Yeah, the... Uh... Yeah, the recent WhatsApp is getting pretty spicy, just so you know. Uh, yeah, so like, there's a background joke. Like, the, the three of us are in the, in the group about the podcast, and we continuously like throw random shit in there, trying to get one of us uh, to lose it. Is it pretty sad that I know who that is? Um, yeah, yeah, it is. We're ne- look, we're never yeah. shocked with you at this point. This yeah, looks like, like looks like that is Penny Pex. Um, Devouring. Like, all a... two of you are still listening. <laughs> like, they don't know what the hell we're talking about, but none yeah. of us near Jim are not shocked there. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, <laughs> definitely know who that is. All right, just well, saying. Is there anything that you feel we haven't covered? Obviously, I know that we haven't covered a great deal. Um, but as a as a co-host of this podcast, I'm sure we will all be able to um, revisit each of our separate episodes and and add and subtract from all of our stories. But um, that backpack for for <laughs> never mind. <laughs> what? Never mind, just go. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that that kind of rounds out the the host interviews for for Bladeology, and we've got a lot of really cool makers and friends lined up um, to go. So everybody, thanks for listening up until this point, uh, and stick with us. It's only going to get better from here on out, especially right. with the shows and everything. So, uh, guys, is there anything else you want to add? Uh, I would like to say that I'm just a 31st century galactic cowboy. Right on.
All right, I'm just fine. I'm I'm trying to say something, but I'm just pacing out here. I'm fucking shot. So, with that note, Nick Schuper out. Jeremiah Burbank out. Elijah Isham and I am drunk. Out. Thank you. We're all listening. Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.